Hi, I'm Marky Mark. This week's interview, we speak to DJ Jules Little. Uh, so today we're talking to a legendary uh, Jules <coughs> Little. Uh, who actually had the pleasure of uh, working with um, over the last uh, couple of years, and uh, thank you, Jules, for um, for being on the podcast. Sorry, I'm not quite sure about the legendary though. But it's actually <laughs> quite strange to be the person being asked the questions rather than you. I know. Well, you got to start somewhere, haven't you? So basically, how old were you when you first started? You know, really getting into music. Um, actually, it goes back further than you would think. My first memories of me, I've got two older sisters who are eight and nine years younger than, uh, older than me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's get that bit right. They are older than me. I'm the baby of the family. Yeah. Um, I love my sister's record collections because this was in the 70, late 70s yeah. and a disco. Absolutely loved all that. But my first sort of real love of music became like everybody did. They were listening to the radio and they wanted to be the guy that was presenting the top 40. And that was me. And uh, so it was a dream of radio originally. Ah. And then, yeah, and then 1981, mm. um, I'm from Coventry originally, though I live in the Czech Republic now. Um, I went to the local radio station, Mercy Sound, as it was. And my father was sort of quite well known in Coventry as a, quite a political figure, being running a union. And he got interviewed on the radio station. So he said, hey, Jules, do you want to come in uh, and join me You know, and, and see how it all works? I was like, mm. yeah, Dad, please, definitely. Mm. did that went in there was absolutely it was a life-changing moment i remember coming out of the studio in half a place in coventry and said he said what do you think jules i went dad that's that's my life that's what I, that's that's what i want to do i want to be a radio presenter mm. so you know that that was it i got involved i was involved in sport and one of those sports was roller skating um and i got to know the dj there and that's how i got into djing but it led to some interesting conversations when you have your career choices at school um, you have the careers interview, if you remember those from yeah. uh, when you were at senior school. Yeah. What do you want? So little, because they used to be all boys school and they wanted to call you by saying, so little, what do you want to do uh, for a career? Uh, well, sir, I'd like to be a radio presenter. Mm. And uh, that would be, uh, well, uh, no, 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 really, what do you want to do? I'd love to be a radio presenter, sir. No, do you want a proper job? <laughs> yeah. Uh, in the end, it, the conversation ended with, you know, when he was saying, well, do you want to work with computers or go into engineering? Because that's a big thing in Coventry. Mm. And then I said, look, you've obviously got a box of jobs in there. Just put me down for what you want me to have, mm. but I'm going to be a radio presenter. Did- and that's that was that was a definite the definite place I wanted to be. So is, is it, did your ambitions to go, like, because obviously when we were kids then, back in the early 80s, the, like, Radio 1 DJs were famous, weren't they? Like Gary Davis and all that. They were, is, did you... Did you want to be getting as high as that, or was that your ambition? Oh, absolutely. That was without doubt the the the, the absolute ambition was uh, to get to that level. But conversely, Mercia Sound mm. um, had was actually bigger than Radio One in Coventry. It actually, holds the record uh, because you have a thing called TSA in radio, which is your reach. Uh, your your population reach, mm. and um, no local station has ever got over fifty percent ever in the history of independent local radio. Mm. Um, Mercia had something like sixty three percent. Right, it was bigger than Radio One by an absolute country mile. But that. yeah, you're right. It's, just, it's hard to think now that I do stuff 
Um, I do stuff with Gary Davis now and all these people, and I know half of them. So <laughs> it's kind of come full circle. Um, and yes. many years later, I actually did get to broadcast from that station. So mm. I've achieved my radio dream, but mm. um, and live radio is great. Pre-recorded radio is okay, mm. but nothing beats live. As you know yourself, being, in, uh, being a... A performer in in radio, you talk to what one person and might be talking to many. You don't know; mm. it could be one person, and you could be talking to half a million people, or whoever. How many? Yeah. You don't know. No. But when you've got a tangible audience in front of you, and you can see that instant reaction as well as sense it, it's something quite magical. So that's where the heart really followed then towards going to be a, a live DJ rather than a dead one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a bit like when I did, uh, you, you said about working with Gary now or doing stuff. I mean, it's like when I did, uh, when I was in the 80s, uh, I was a big fan of um, Go West. Uh, I mean, my two, oh. my two favorite bands were Petra Boys and Go West. So it was, it was, yeah. I remember when we went to, we went to Butlins and we've, I think I've supported Peter now three times at Butlins. It's like, this is surreal because I remember buying his cassette, <laughs> you know, yeah. the album. It's like, yeah. this is weird. And it, like yourself, it's like you've done a full circle because when you were buying that cassette, you would never think you would ever perform, you know, with them. So uh, it's funny how things turn yeah. out, isn't it? Yeah, because inside you're still that 15-year-old fanboy. Yes, 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 uh, yes. You know, I'm, I'm lucky enough, I've toured with Go West, you know, but working with people like Kathy Sledge, Billy Ocean, Heaven 17, mm. all these big names, and it's like, you know, and, and when they come up to you and go, all right, Jules, how are you doing? And yeah. you're like, really? <laughs> I know. I and, then, you know some, and when you swap numbers with them and, and they actually ring you sometimes, and you're like, yeah, yeah. Wait, I can't believe I'm actually doing this. I mean, it was a, it was the same for me. It was like because uh, I messaged Peter saying we were supporting him the first time, and he's the only one who actually came and found me backstage at Butlins and shook me hand and said, "Hi, uh, Mark, it's Peter." I said, "I want to come and say hello," and I th I was like, "Whoa, <laughs> it's, it's quite bizarre." Yeah. Stop, stop it now, stop it now. This is where it stops. This is this is as good as it gets. Yeah, I totally yeah, get that. Stop that. Um, so what kind of, I mean, I was obviously mentioned what I was into when I was uh, younger. So 80s, you said you said about 70s disco. So was that your first love? Was, was, it, was it disco? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And that manifested itself in the radio show I did uh, many years later. But yeah, because of my sister's taste in music, I grew up with that. Um, but my sport was roller skating and I got into the uh, roller disco. Mm. And that was very... 80s club sound, funk, soul, mm. as well as all the pop as well. But I've got a real love for that as well. Mm. Um, but for me, there's two types of music. There's good music and bad music. Mm. And I'm not, I've got no pretensions of what, you know, that, that's rubbish because it's not what the style that I like. No. It's either a good song or it's not. Um, but I love all, I love all music. Uh, you know, I love everything from classical uh, right the way through to you know the dance stuff and you know some R and B and hip hop. I, I love it all, you know. The, um, but yeah, go, growing up in my teens, it was definitely the club sound, the soul, the funk, and the pop. And then uh, after I started DJing in 1985, bloody hell, I sound old now, don't I? <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I'm 50 years young, but I'm I, I, I've got the age, I've got the head of a 15 year old. I was about to say, I'm not that far behind you. Mm. Yeah, so uh, w yeah, I started when I was you know, when I was fifteen, just as I left school, 
And I remember in, I, I, I'd watched, I'd heard, I'd, I'd heard a, um, a DJ mixing, and I used to listen to Radio Luxembourg, mm. and there was a show on there called The Disco Mix Club with Tony Prince. And a guy called Alan Coulthard was sending these mixes in, and it was like, you know, this is life-changing. This is rocket science for me. Mm-hmm. Tony Prince started DMC, Disco Mix Club, uh, which was a subscription service for DJs with mixes. Um, which is, and, and I got to know Tony and Alan and all these people. And these people were inspirations for me. And and that, and bizarrely, I now work for Master Mix, the other company that, yes. that was producing so, um, but yeah, that that was a, and I'm watching a DJ um, scratching and, and mixing live, and it was just like one of those wow moments to the point where there was a guy called Phil Doherty who actually ended up being a um, a record producer and a DMC producer before that. And I watched him in a club in Birmingham where I was DJing on a Friday. He was on the Saturday, mm-hmm. and uh, he was mixing and scratching, and I was just like, "How do you do that?" And he said, have you got turntables at home? And I said, no. He said, well, you need to buy some. I said, but how do I learn how to do that? And he said, two words to me which changed my life. Buy drumsticks. Oh. And I was like, what? He went, you'll get it. And he was right. So I went and bought two drumsticks. And what do I do with these? And you just find you start tapping beats out, twos, fours, and eights. And you start to learn about the construction of music oh, from the backbone mm-hmm. of the drums. Mm-hmm. Um. And 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 that was it. And so now, when I hear a song, I tend to hear the drum and the bass. I don't listen to vocals. Um, so if anyone's singing the wrong words, it's usually me because I'm not hearing them. I'm hit. Like, you know, you hear the words, but I listen to the sound. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was your uh, the first? Because obviously, you bought some decks. Did you buy one deck, two decks? Do you remember the make? Yeah, I bought. Um, I saw. I had a chocolate brown mini clubman, and I went out the next day after that conversation, and I sold my car. <laughs> right. That's a level of determination. And then it was, Mom, can I borrow your car, please? Where's yeah. yours, Jules? Yeah. Ah. Yeah. Uh, it's now two turntables upstairs and a healthy record collection. Wait, um, I bought. I bought a pair of Citronic. Uh, belt-driven, very speed turntables. I can't remember what model number it was. Mm. And I bought um, a, a realistic branded mixer from Tandy. Mm. That's going back, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah, but real, realistic mixer from Tandy. And oh, I used Tandy, to just... Yeah, yeah where all my mates were just uh, peeing it up the wall with their wages. My wages was going on records. And instead of going out... I was staying in and practicing, mixing and practicing and practicing and practicing and practicing. Yeah. And then I got my first fully paid gig in 1987, uh, which I happened to be in a bar where they got a late license. The DJ moved upstairs and I went to the gaffer. I mean, if I walk in now, your place looks dead. <laughs> oh, we've got a DJ upstairs. I said, well, I don't know that. Mm. As I'm a DJ. You know, it's one of those old scenarios. Yeah. Shy kids get no sweets. Um, so I said, well, I've got my top 40 in the back of the car. It's out of the back. And he's, he's in right. 15 pounds for your first night. Let's see how you get on. I did it. 15 pounds. Um, 15 pounds was my first ever paid gig. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. Scary, isn't it? No, but that was 1987. Yeah. Uh, then when I got the gig full time, he doubled it to 30. So, what was um, that? Did, did you have to take your own PA? Because, I mean, the speakers back in those days were huge. 
Yeah, uh, no, I've always been what you would call a plug-and-play DJ. Okay. Uh, a record like back then, I'd just turn up my records on microphone, plug my microphone in, my headphones oh, in. Mm-hmm. So it was residencies that always had kit. I've never been a mobile DJ. Um, it's too much like hard work and backache. <laughs> it was heavy enough with a vinyl back then. Uh, well, yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, and, and it was a great thing as well because one of my other loves is football, and I come from Coventry and Coventry City won the FA Cup that year and I was playing in the town centre in the busiest place in the town centre during the cup run and I had to work for free just to have that atmosphere. It was amazing. Mm. So usually you get DJs with these cheesy names but you've actually kept your name quite simple just calling yourself DJ Jules Little. Uh, Did you ever think of any other uh, crazy names or... No, no, no. The thing is, when you were, well, I have to think about when I was started this, um, you know, Jules is quite an unusual. I'm actually, my my real name is Julian, but um, everyone calls me Jules. I'm only Julian when I'm in trouble with my (laughs) mum. So, um, yeah, having a name which is, you know, for men and women. Having bright ginger hair as I used to have, and a lot of it, um, and being six foot two, mm. uh, the ironic surname of Little, and being nine stone wet through with acne, um, you know, mm. to have given myself a cool name just didn't fit the look. So oh, it was right. just me. Yeah. And it stuck, and I became known. And uh, I'd rather be, you know, I've got, I suppose, if I want to separate, um, I can be Jules as the DJ, and if I want to be, Julian in private, or can be Julian in private a little bit, if, you know. But for me, it wasn't. I'm not bothered about names. It's more about I'd rather have a reputation built on ability mm-hmm. and and uh, and people's reference rather than because I've got a cool name. Yeah. Because I'd have just been I'd have been your DJ Spotty Ginger Git, you know, something <laughs> like that. <laughs> uh, you mentioned earlier about the um, the master mixes that you do. So what does that entail, if people don't know? Right, okay. Mastermix is a DJ subscription service. What we do is we produce mega mixes and tools for other DJs to use because, you know, not everyone can mix music together. Uh, and as much as anything, it's not just mixes, it's ideas and knowledge. And I've got 35 years of knowledge of doing this. But, yeah, we produce mixes not just for um, – not just for uh, for other DJs to use, but they also get used by radio stations or corporate clients and stuff like that. So I do a lot of that as well. Um, a pr- typical production could be, it could be like a, a say for instance, I might do a Pet Shop Boys three-track mega mix or what, what we call a triple tracker. Mm. I might do a full artist mega mix. I might just do a theme mix based around early 80s electronic music. I could do a chart mix. I could do anything. Um and you know, I've done I've done a lot of stuff for um, a very well known um, national radio station. I can't say who it is, but it's the most listened to radio station uh, in the UK. Um, we have already mentioned one of their DJs, <laughs> and that's who I've done. I will leave it at that then. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, so yeah, we've done a lot of that, and, and that's and that's what that's what we do. It's a a fifteen minute mix might take it may take an hour to mix. It could take three weeks to mix. It depends on the complexity of it. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. a lot of work, but it, it, it's it's a lot of fun and a lot there's a lot of pleasure going going into it and seeing the end result or hearing the end results. Um, yeah, you get a lot of reward. Now, the obviously I've had the pleasure, as I said earlier, in the podcast that um, I've 
I've seen you a couple of times. I can't remember how many times you've been there because I've been going to Berlin's now for six or seven years. So yeah, I'm on year five. Oh, is it? So yeah. how did that come about? Because obviously if, if people haven't been to Butlins, uh, Butlins is because we go to these like, adult weekends. So they do an eight. They do a, uh, You've got to be careful how you say adult weekends, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> well, adult in, only weekends. Yeah, adult only, that's the one. There's nothing going on there, honestly. Uh, so they do an 80s one, don't they? And a 90s one. And they do a, a noughties one now, don't they? Uh, the prop, now the 20s. Yeah, the, there's absolutely loads of them. There's the there's the uh, back to the 2000s, the 90s reloaded, absolute 80s, which is the ones that I do mainly. Electric Dreams, Bootleg Ball, the Madness House of the Fern, the 70s, the 60s, the Soul Weekenders. There's loads of them. So is it just the 80s ones you do? I tend to do the stuff for Absolute Radio 80s. Yeah, I tend to do most of those. I do some of the 90s reloaded. I always do bootleg ball. Oh, yeah. I've got a disco inferno this year, which I'm really excited about. Ah. Um, so also, uh, well, Electric Dreams is, is the one where I'm, I'm the main DJ for Electric Dreams, mm. which was an old vintage TV brand, but um, uh, it's taken a year off this year. But uh, oh, actually, yeah. to be fair... Yeah, that's that's actually right up your street musically. That is. Oh yes, I know. Well, we were asked to go. Uh, as you probably remember when I yeah, started about in the year, and unfortunately, we were already booked, um, and uh, we couldn't we couldn't go. So it was a, it was a great pity, really. But um, but the crowds there. Are hopefully next happy. year. Yeah, hopefully next year. I know. Um, hopefully, but the crowds there. Are, um, they're all uh, up for it, aren't they? They're all completely nuts. <laughs> yeah, I mean, from a performer's point of view, as you will know yourself, um, uh, it really is shooting fish in a barrel mm. because you're playing the music of a specific genre or era and the people have gone there because they love that specific genre or era. Yeah. So you're playing what they want to hear. It's a captive audience who want to be entertained by what you're playing. Um, and it's so easy to get them on your side. And the people, there's no pretense, there's no egos and, amongst the crowd. And the same as it isn't between the performers, because the real stars, the, the genuine stars, I think a lot of them are just grateful that 30 years on, they're still earning the crust from it. Mm, yeah. You know, um, and so, you know, they've been around the block, they've done all the, the, the fame stuff. Mm. Now they're just enjoying it. You know, they've got people like me who's playing the music and getting, you know, and and we're getting kudos from working with them as we are, you know, we're working with like the likes of you as you are with them and and us. You know, it's 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 a it's a it's a a, people say it's a Butlin's bubble, and I get that from the guests. Mm -hmm. I think from the performers' point of view, it's the Butlin's family. Yes, I mean, yeah, they've been. I mean, uh, I can I still I communicate a lot with. um, I always call him Big Nick. So it was, yeah, yeah. yeah, and he's always yeah. been very good to me. Um, he's looked after us, and uh, yeah, he's been he, he's been great. And they've, and they've said they've, they've, they've looked after us every single year, and we've always been lucky to go quite a lot. So, um, so you yeah, know, we, we enjoy going there. Um, yeah. next thing I was going to say is with some part of your life, or you know, you go through a struggle, um, there's a you know, like in the band or you know, or yourself. Oh, yeah. There's there's a specific time you're thinking it's just not like, uh, just something's not going right. Is there a particular time you can remember thinking, 
whatever you do, it ain't working or there's a struggle or the work's not coming or thinking, what's going on here? Yeah, I can pinpoint exactly that moment. It was around 2008. I've been working with uh, Brannigan's Bars for eight years. Mm. Um, you know, well-known chain as they were across the UK. I was one of the main DJs for them. And uh, I'd been up in Chester for about three or four years. The gaffer comes in one night and says, that was your last night. Mm. Um, yeah, after eight years, it was like, really? Wow. You know, and I travelled all around the UK. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, there was legalities of why you couldn't do it. So there was a little bit of uh, recompense, but mm. it was like, great. I ended up just going to work. I lived near Coventry at the time. And I went to work at a local bar, which was run by my friends. It was the first time I'd ever done a bar mm. since 1980. And I was in, in that first bar. I'd only ever done nightclubs. Mm. Um, and uh, suddenly having a, a transient crowd, not not you know, not being in the destination venue or just being a pass-through was horrible. Mm. And it also noticed because I was in a town centre bar, and this is, I suppose this is an age thing, I noticed people just had no manners. <laughs> and I just, what am I doing here? You know, I felt like, I felt like I was playing to the great unwashed, yeah. uh, which stands a bit a bit up myself, I know. But you know, having gone from nightclubs with nice people in nice areas and whatever, and then coming to this place and it was just horrendous, and I just thought this is the end. I didn't, I wasn't, I, I did, all dubstep was out at the time, and hey, there's music for everybody, but he didn't speak to me, and I just thought I'm not loving the music. For the first time in my life, I was doing it for the money. Right. And that's where the struggle happened. It wasn't a passion. It was, mm. I'm only doing this because I, I got used to earning the extra money because I've always worked full-time up until a few years ago. Yeah. Oh, uh, I when I am mm. uh, It's always been a hobby that paid well. It was kind of a living, but it, it, I had a day job, um, uh, you know, a very good day job, which paid really well. Um, but this, if suddenly the hobby wasn't fun anymore. No. And I thought... Do you know what? That's it. So I think in 2000 and what do you think now? 2011, 2000, yeah, yeah, it was 2011. Uh, I said, that's it. I've had enough. I'm giving up. So I told everyone, right, I'm, I'm stopping in two or three months. Huh. And uh, to celebrate at the end, I went to Dubai for a week. And that was it. I'd, I'd drawn a line under it. Huh. And I walked away from it. Uh, and it was horrible huh. in a way. It was great in a way because you have your um, – I had radio going on at the time, so I had some radio stuff going on. I had a really successful syndicated uh, dance show, which was going out all over the world. Um, and then – but there was just – I'd missed that buzz of the live, mm. but I, I'd fallen out of love with it. And it was a real real mix of emotions. There was a lot of contradictions going on in you emotionally because you think, well – I miss it, but I don't miss it. I miss the buzz, but I miss the buzz that used to be, not the buzz that I'm getting. I'm not getting the buzz anymore. Mm. It's different people, different times, and you think, hmm, you know, is this is this really, or you know, is radio the way forward? What have you? And I thought, no, do you know what? And I've gone to digital DJing, mm. so I didn't have to burn CDs or buy rec physical records, so that I could download, um, you know, MP3s from you know iTunes or Beatport or whatever. So if I need to do a gig, I can just spend a bit of money, download stuff. It's on the computer, and I can play off that through a MIDI controller. Job done. Yeah. 
So that was it. So like, you know, if, I, if I'm needed, I can help out. I can be, you know, like the DJ AA, you know, well, need a DJ, can you help out tonight? Yeah. You know, you can cover a gig, not a problem. Mm. Um, and then I got a phone call from um, the guys at Vision Talent, who are the, uh, some guys that I work with um, at, uh, at Butlins, the guys I work with uh, at Butlins. Uh, and I knew one of the guys there, and he said, look, I used to do teenage nights for years ago. You had loads of energy. Would you be interested in coming working for Butlins? Mm-hmm. So, you know, my friend ringing me and saying, hey, you know, do you want to do this? So I was like, what's it like? And my first one was the old Hot Summer Party, and I just walked into this bubble of 6,500 6, people <laughs> just ready for a party, and I just thought, oh. <laughs> and my first thing was a somnolent disco in a tent. Well, I would say the tent, there's about 300 people in there. Mm. And I just thought, Silent Disco, I've never done one of these before. And it was just like, yeah, here's a deep end, jump. And then I was on, after that, I went, I had two hours off and I went to uh, the main stage and I played uh, with Dave Pierce doing dance anthems. And then the following night, I was playing for Kiss doing Kistery. Uh, <laughs> it was like, and, you know, and you've got, and you've got um, I think the capacity of that room was 3,000. You've got 3,000 people in front of you. And I thought, I'm back. <laughs> it was that moment you think, okay, the bad times have gone. You and just, I realised that. Know, yeah, and it was that moment when I thought, do you know, I haven't finished. And I got my passion back. Mm. And because I got my passion back, I got into music. Mm. And then I started working on stuff online and, 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 and started uploading mixes that I'd started producing. And then that brought me kind of into Master Mix. Um, which is, and that's how it, again, because obviously Master Mix, I've been submitting mixes since 1991 and got rejected because they just weren't good enough. Mm. Um, And then you get to, you know, you get that, it's like anything, you get that break. You know, I've got the break of a phone call saying, hey, do you want to come and DJ at Butlins? Yeah. Hell yeah. Then they get that break of someone saying, from the label manager of Master Mix saying, you're all right, I like you having a conversation about stuff. Mm. And then he sees you DJing and he said, send me that track history. I want to produce that mix professionally for you. Because it was sort of a mix I'd done live and it was rock music. Mm. And it was like ACDC, Joan Jett, uh, Def Leppard. And then I doubled the BPM to go from 100 up to 200 to go into David Bowie, Modern Love. Uh, and, you know, it was that, it was that kind of energy, like real energy. And, he said, I've never seen anything like it. That was great. Can I produce it for you? And I was like, yeah, okay, if you want to. Mm-hmm. And it did. And then he said, send me some more ideas. And then I started sending my mixes in. And suddenly it was like, how do you want to join us as one of the producers? Wow. Wow. Yeah. You know, you, know the, um, the, you, might, you might hit struggles as an entertainer, whether you're a DJ or a, a vocalist or a, a proper musician, not like me, like the plagiarist who presses buttons. Um, <laughs> Uh, oh, I press play. Life is good. That's that's what DJs do, isn't it? <laughs> Something. Um, like that, yeah. But yeah, yeah. But you know, you, as you know me, I'm very much about sort of getting involved with the crowd on the microphone. Oh yes, and, uh, yes. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. You 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 definitely uh, you definitely do that. Yeah, but you know, it's just that sometimes it's that one moment that changes everything. You know, and if I link it back yeah. to me going that phone call saying, "Hello, mate. How are you? Not spoken to you for years. How do you fancy doing Butlins?" And then. My goodness, I like your mixing. Can you send something in to me? Yeah. And then suddenly, when I've walked away from music, I end up doing the best gigs of my life. 
playing with all the heroes of my teenage youth, meeting like, amazing tribute bands of the guys you do as well, and 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 playing these amazing crowds, and then ending up being the you know, achieving your dream dream of being a master mix producer, and it's like. And you're paying me for all this, and yeah. I'm getting to show off on stage and have fun mm. and entertain people. And that's what it is. The most, you know, we, we talk about the buzz of being on stage and all the crowd there and what have you and working with your heroes. Mm. That pales into nothing if your guests walk away. Oh, yeah. And haven't had a good time and haven't been entertained. No. And when they, when they add yourself onto your Facebook page or your Instagram feed or your Twitter, and missed you to say, we love what you did. Mm. That's priceless. That's where the and by the way, social media feeds. By the way, everything's at DJ Jules Little. By the way, <laughs> shameless plug. <laughs> but that's 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 where the value comes into it for me. Yeah, the money's lovely. It could always be more. Mm. But when you walk into a venue and everyone goes, "Hello, mate. How are you?" And it's got to the point now where you get this is this is quite a funny story. You you, you get when you're one of the DJs. And you're doing the main stage and people get to know you. People, they recognize you. Mm. And I hate to say they become, they want they want selfies with you. And I'm always a bit uncomfortable with that because I haven't got any discernible talent of being able to play music other than by pressing the button. You know, I can't play an instrument. I can't read music, but I know what sounds good in my ear. Mm. And yet people are like, can we, can we get a photograph with you? And I walked into one of the venues in Skegness uh, last year. As I walked in, before to start my set, there's another DJ playing. I walked in, oh, Jules, can I get a picture with you? Yeah, yeah okay, yeah. yeah gee, do a little pose of them. <laughs> Stick it on. And then the next person, oh, Jules, can I get a picture? Anyway, five, six people later, photograph, 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 photograph. Oh. And some bloke, and he goes, he said, oh, mate, can I get a photograph with you? Mm. I went, yeah, sure, sure, sure. And as I'm taking, he's taking this selfie with me. He went, by the way, who are you? <laughs> 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 I, went, I was hoping you were going to help me. I haven't got a clue. It's just it's bizarre. I, yeah, he, he said, I just saw everyone else having photographs with you, so I just thought you must be famous. Now <laughs> 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 no, you're on, mate. I'm just a DJ. <laughs> well, they just because well, some of them they just haven't got a, they haven't got a clue. But yeah, I mean, it's it's it's, it's can be really bizarre at times. I mean, I'm the same. Is it? Is if people want to. Oh, can we have a photo with you? And because we're a tribute, you're thinking, right, we're not the real, you know. But people yeah. still want a photo. Oh, can we have your hat on and all your culture? And oh, yeah. they say, come in, and they they say how good you were, and it it really up it uplifts you, because obviously when you go on like yourself, you you know, like playing the right songs or what, try and keep the crowd yeah. going. We're always going with our set, thinking, right, should we play that song? What should we do? Will that work? Or there's a new song come that. I yeah. mean, we there's, um, the Pet Shop Boys have just released "Monkey Business." Um, Brilliant track! I love that track. I know. So we we played it, and we th- and Chris, Chris was going, "Hmm, do you think uh, do you think anyone would like it?" But he said it's a brilliant track. Anyway, we played it, and everyone loved it. So yeah, because we think no one no one will know it because it's new. But because obviously it's been, had a lot of radio play. Um, and then people send you a message saying, "Oh, they really. Oh, I'm glad you really played the new single. It's uh, it yeah. definitely gives you a buzz, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. You know, and and to be fair, you can um, you can really um, you, you, you get it's like anything with DJs with bands. You get to know the wheat from the chaff. Mm-hmm. And the great thing is, when it comes to the tribute bands, 
you only get the best wheat. Mm. You know, you, I think in the five years, um, I've only ever seen one man, and I just thought, ooh, every other one, is, you think, wow. You know, you think of like, you know, you guys remember doing uh, Reds in Skegness with you, and it was just like, wow, that was amazing. Well, we did Reds. Really, I'm not saying. Yeah, when you did when you did Reds and Skeg Death, and it was just like, my Reds. God, that was amazing. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and your whole set was just like, wow, it was so accurate. Mm. I know it's easy to be, it's easier with electronic music to be accurate mm. because it's all, a lot, lot of sampling going on, and you know, and you can sample the sounds and what have you. Yeah. But to put it together and to get the uh, the visual to go with it, and the nuance of movement, mm. and the nuance of of, of, of um, emotion, and everything that goes with it, nailed on. You know, it's a bit like you know, love distraction as well. Oh yeah, Nick. You know, yes. Yep. Amazing band. You know, you think about some of the other eighty ones, um, uh, like the you know, they're now called Platinum Queen. You know, uh, uh, the, the tribute to Freddie Mercury as it was. Yeah. Phenomenal. Mm. Uh, yeah, and, and so many amazing bands, and you just think, "Wow, how?" I mean, I go in. I, there's no plan when I go in. You guys know you've planned to death. Oh yes. There's, there's yeah. a little bit of shooting off the hip, yeah. obviously, yeah. with your links and what have you. And suddenly you think, actually, that song's not going to work. You change it, yes. but you generally know what you're doing. I just do everything off the cuff. There's no, well, what's your playlist? I've got no clue, mate. I haven't got a clue. Sometimes you, you've got I'm to go with the crowd, haven't you, to see what they Yeah, are. you don't know who's there. And I've got, I've got three or four songs ahead mm. in my head, and I can change at a moment's notice. And I've only got to be me. I'm not a tribute to me. I'm the only real one. There's only one of me. <laughs> I can be me. There's only one. You was little. <laughs> yeah. Let's say that again louder. But you guys... <laughs> That planning that goes into what you do mm. is astounding, and to see it come off mm. and work and watch the crowd react, and as far as they're concerned, they're watching the Pet Shop Boys. Oh, they're yeah. watching the tribute. I, I mean, you know, I like to <coughs> excuse me. I, you know, when we do for me, because obviously I look after other bands uh, with the agency, so uh, you know they have to. For me, they have to sound like them. Uh, and look like them in, in as best the way they can, um, because obviously you're having the privilege of being a tribute, to, you know, to that band. And uh, you know, sometimes, you know, not just respect some of those bands, but some people come in as a tribute. I'm oh, a tribute to this, and you listen to them, you're thinking you don't sound anything like them. You don't look any anything like. It's like it's, oh no, I'm really f- fussy about, you know, that you you've just got like you know when I'm doing Neil, I've just how many times I've watched him over and yeah. over and over and over and everyone says even your mannerisms how you tap your hand on his leg just like he does he's thinking well you know because I want to put on the proper you know you want to put on the proper show and and, yeah. luckily, and luckily Chris ironically uh, he's called you know he's called Chris the same as real Chris Lowe everyone says yeah. he is the perfect Chris Lowe because he's the right height he's got his you know how he stands the look and it, it, it just works perfect because the Pet Shop Boys are not, you know, they don't go jump up and down and everywhere. You know, um, uh, Neil's... Not the most gregarious, are they? No. <laughs> <laughs> Although Neil seems to walk around a bit more these days than he used to do. So Yeah, um, I noticed that, the Hyde, uh, the Hyde Park one. And, and, of course, I thought they got the perfect Dusty. 
with Beverly Knight. Oh, I love oh that. yeah, yeah, that was that was that was superb. And I mean, th- I've just watched their latest tour on Sky Arts when they're in the. Um, Oh, I can't remember what thirty it was, and they've just put them that on there, and that was the latest gig, and it's like it's just it's unbelievable. That's it. The only thing that we can't get close to is the lighting because they have all these amazing lasers, and yeah. it's all to the time of the music, and they have this massive back screen where it's all video projected up the back, and uh, I mean we looked into doing it, at, you know, getting that stuff, and it was. Thousands and thousands. I think I can't. I can't go. So that's the only thing. I mean, if I could, if I had money, was no object. But the problem is, a lot of the venues go, well, you can't have lasers because it sets off the um, the alarms, doesn't it? Because the the, yeah. the the lights. The light and the heat. But you can, uh, with the buttons now, they've, they've put proper video walls yeah, uh, systems so in there. Right, they have, yeah. They look really they cool. Video, can't they? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, they've spent a bit of money on those stages this year. Yeah, they so, are. Well, just to wrap things hoping. up. Um, yep. Now, unfortunately, we're going through a tough time at the moment. Everyone in the music industry is the, uh, yeah. the dreaded virus. So, yep. I, I mean, uh, I was talking to the George Michael tribute I look after today, and he, he said, oh, are you watching the news, mate? Because Boris was on at R4 in the UK today. And, yes, uh, I know. Oh, right, right. And um, he, w- you know, he was saying, "What do you think they're going to do?" And obviously, they decided they haven't shut anything down here yet. They're just saying, "Just you know, if you don't want to go, don't go, or just be careful." But they haven't said lockdown. So, so obviously, we're decide. You know, we're all anticipating. Why right, are we going to lose all our gigs for the next two, three months? Or is people still going to go? Or is it going to be festival? So, w- what's it like? F- for yourself, is everything stopped where you are, or have you got? Yeah, um, my current situation is obviously in the Czech Republic. Is I, I was actually in England last week, uh, driven over as well, uh, which turned out to be a blessing in disguise. Although it was a blooming long journey. Um, yeah, uh, the autobahns are fun when you've got a big engine. <laughs> um, so I, I got the uh, notification on. I think it was Friday that they've declared a state of emergency in the Czech Republic. Right. Say what you like about me. Um, our leader here is a guy called Andre Babish, and he's about as popular as Mr. Johnson or any other political leader uh, in the UK. Mm. Um, um, he's, you know, he's, he's a criminal, he's this, he's that, whatever he is. Um, he's got balls of steel because he said, well, I can see what's happening in Italy, in Germany and France. And he went, right, I'm closing the borders. Um, the state of emergency is that no Czech citizens are allowed to leave the country. Mm. Uh, me, as somebody with residence, I can come back in mm. um, before midnight on Saturday. And then when I'm in, I can't, if I, I can go back out, but then I can't come back in again. Ah. Um, so all the schools are closed over here. Right. Um, Gatherings of more than 30 people is now down to 30? 10 people. Right. Yeah, it's now down to 10 uh, because full curfew was introduced. Um, we're, we're Monday night now, so it was, it was introduced at midnight. Mm. Um, though you, know, you can still do the essentials, like if you have to go to work, because uh, there is a lot of facilitation of working from home, but you can go, you can 
uh, you, you can go to work and go back. Mm. You can't go out and socialise. You can go to the shops and go back. You can't go out and socialise. The whole idea is they want to get rid of groups of people. All the sports off. All the nightclubs are off. Yeah. I'm also uh, I teach English as a foreign language here. Mm. All the schools are closed. I'm self-employed. I've got zero income now. Mm, so, yeah, it's a difficult time over here. Mm. But we are we're here. We have 298 confirmed cases. Three people recovered so far, and no deaths. All right. Um, so you know, it looks like it. You know, hopefully, it's working. Touchwood. Mm. Compare that's what's happening in the UK. I think uh, I don't like getting political, but in this case, I you, you've got to comment on it as being in the entertainment industry because I work in England as well. It affects me, yeah. and it affects the people that I work for. Mm. So what's happening there is he's gone. Well, you shouldn't go. He's advised against it. He's basically telling people to don't go to pubs, uh, go, don't go out, don't go socialising. Yes. Well, the problem is. By doing that softly, softly approach, I can appreciate why he's doing it because they're trying a different technique. Surrounded by water, let's go for immunity. I get all that. But if you're looking at business, it's, it's two fingers up to business. You could have shut everything down. If you shut everything down, businesses can claim um, uh, for on the infection clause. You can claim on your insurance as a venue. Yeah. Let's say lots of earnings due to infectious diseases. Mm. Standard. Force majeure doesn't cover infectious disease, as far as I'm aware. There is a special separate clause for infectious diseases. So people, basically, it's basically it's almost like death by a thousand cuts with the entertainment industry. Mm. I've got friends who are DJs, mobile DJs, and they're all going. People are cancelling. It's their only job. Well, in the in the UK, or is that everywhere? In, in the in everywhere, but in the UK, the friends in the UK. Right. Yeah, I'm mean, over here. Over here, I'd only just started getting myself established over here because I've been here nearly three years. Yeah. Got a residency that I play every month, uh, playing retro music, a really nice venue. Um, and while I was in England, I got the I got I got um, three calls, one after the other. Uh, the venue I DJ at, sorry, we've got a shut. Yeah. First school I teach at, sorry, we've got a shut. Second school, boom. within ten minutes, I've lost everything financially oh, in terms of income. Dear. That's yeah, so um, I hope it's over um, well, sooner yeah. rather than. I, I mean, the, the, the... but all we can do is, is look at what's more valuable, life, or mm. you know, living meagerly for a while. Wow, I'll I'll live meagerly. Thanks very much. Yeah, I mean, hopefully they're, they're saying, aren't they, that it's going to peak in the next um, three, four weeks, aren't they? They're hoping, and because obviously yeah. as soon as China peaked, it plummeted, didn't it? And and now. People are all, it's almost all right there, sort of. It's a lot. Yeah. Uh, and you're thinking, oh, my Lord. And obviously now we've got it. And so, and uh, I mean, like you said, it's it's people who, like ourselves, who it's our full-time job. Uh, you know, some musicians have got full-time jobs so that, you know, they're all right. And then I know some people who, it's, like yourself, it's a full-time, their full-time job. And then as soon as it stops, uh, they're thinking, well, what the hell am I going to do? What, you know, and they're only going to pay yeah. them so much money, and and it's not enough to live on. So it's yeah, it's gonna, it's gonna... Well, being self-employed, I haven't got that luxury. Um, no, same here. So yeah. I've, yeah, I've still got I've still got on production work, um, and I I write for a couple of magazines, um, and I've just done something for radio stations as well. I've just produced a one-hour emergency show just in case people can't get into work. Mm. Radio presenters. So I just sent that out to a few stations. So I just, just 
I'm sat here doing nothing. I'm in isolation because coming back, to, coming back from England, one of the things is uh, they class England now as a risk country. Mm. So as soon as I've come back home, um, I've had to go into uh, legally enforced 14-day isolation mm. just because of where I've come from. Mm. I'm showing no symptoms, but, um, you know, it gives me a lot of downtime. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, hopefully, it, you know, it'll get sorted uh, sooner rather than later and then everyone can get back to normality again because, um, you know... Do, do, yeah, let's hope so. Especially the festivals. But, but anyway, well, thanks very much, uh Jules for the for the for the podcast today and it was a great insight to listen to how you started and all the way up uh, all the way where you are today and uh, oh, I see. and then hopefully Pleasure to talk to it's all right and then hopefully next time I see you it'll be uh, <laughs> better circumstances <laughs> we're both getting paid <laughs> we like that and entertaining people right. obviously <laughs> okay yeah. so well in today's show so uh, thank you very much Jules awesome cheers pal thanks